I don't want to embarrass Tracy because she doesn't like me talking about her, but I have to talk about her a little bit because she's mom. And I, I want to tell you that I couldn't do what I do without her because every Sunday morning I come up here about three or four hours early. And just uh, that's my time. That's, if you want to call it quiet time, that's my time just to pray and study and, and just and, and not be distracted by kids. And that's her time to not pray, not study, <laughs> and be very distracted by kids. So I'm very thankful for you, Tracy, for everything. And not just that, but... I just think about that in a church setting, that there's, there's no way that this would work with just me without her, and I'm just very thankful for her and everything else. I don't have enough time to talk about all the other things. And my mom, who is my mom. And didn't listen to her husband at the time, and didn't abort me, and, and uh, fed me gumbo, and we made it. We strung popcorn when we didn't have money for... Christmas ornaments and drove that Riviera till the Lord gave us a, another piece of junk to drive. <laughs> till the Lord gave us another piece of the wagon. You remember the wagon? Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> I love that wagon. I would get in the back of my boom box and it's completely illegal, but I'd sit in the back of the wagon part and I'd sit back there like it was my little camp back there. That was real safe. All right. <clears throat> Thank you. We made it. Thank you, moms. <laughs> we made it. Um, uh, yeah, let me just get right into it, or I'm just going to keep babbling. Uh, this is, this is, uh, it's been a tough week for many of us, and for, for the reasons you guys know, and um, we, uh, we are thankful to, uh, to have the drivers here today, and we're, we're just, we love those guys, and we're, you know, continuing to, to be there for you, and some of the, one of the most uh, interesting things I found in the midst of all this is how even even in the worst of circumstances, the gospel, the good news was spread. I mean, people that came to the service, uh, Andrew talked to a Muslim lady, and we kind of reconciled with some some friends that we have not really talked to in a long time. And um, just to see, and, and even hearing from Fred, that a lot of the people that came in could just feel the love and, and, and feel the truth about who Jesus is and who their father is. Like I was saying after worship, it's, it's in the times when you're empty, when you, you're confused and you're frustrated, you have to fully lean on the Lord, and He shows up. He really does show up. So I'm just thankful for all you guys, and on behalf of the dryers, they are too, very much so. All right, keep going. I don't, <clears throat> I'm out of tears. I'm out of them. All right, I want to talk about repentance or repenting uh, today. And we've talked about it in here a few times, but I want to really focus on the, the, real, uh, the real definition of it. Many of us grew up or went to churches that talked about repentance just being um, not doing bad things, doing good things, or turning away from bad things and going towards good things, which are true. But that's, that's not how deep, it goes much deeper than that. Repentance, the, the Greek metanoia, it means changing one's mind, or it's, it's, an, it's a result of something happening. It says uh, a change after being with. And so to me, especially in the, in the biblical sense, in the spiritual sense, it's after coming into contact with Christ, our mind begins to shift and change. So when it talks about repentance, it's talking about shifting the way you think, the way you see everything. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, he's saying, look, I'm shifting the way you're seeing this all together. And so we have to shift when we talk about kingdom of heaven. Part of this metanoia, part of this repentance is, I always point at the ceiling tile over here, part of repenting is not looking at heaven as though it's way past that ceiling tile, you know, just south of Mars somewhere, um, being a geographical location that we have to get to. This was This was the old the old covenant where they would go to the land of milk and honey, that was, that was a type and shadow. That was a, a piece of real estate. The kingdom of heaven is not a piece of real estate. It's not a 
necessarily a place that you go. And in, in changing the way you think about that, it should adjust your, the way you see everything else. So repentance is shifting the way you even look at that. So we're going to start in Matthew 3. This is uh, John the Baptist uh, preparing the way for Jesus. Um, Matthew 3, 1. We'll start there. If you want to turn there or swipe there, open up your whatever you have. Um, verse 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, excuse me, Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This was John's message. He's saying, repent, change the, way, change the way you think, change the way you see things because the kingdom is coming near us. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out <clears throat> to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, you who, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones... God can raise up children for Abraham. I want you to remember a few things, talking about fruit here and also about um, the stones that he's talking about. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children uh, for Abraham. Verse 10, the axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I am, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing... <clears throat> His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Listen, these are powerful words that he's saying right here. He is speaking of the Jesus that's coming to usher in this new kingdom and the new covenant. Now, what, we, what I traditionally would see when it talks about axes cutting down and fruit and, and throwing into a fire, I always point it back to me, as many of us did when we read scriptures. Okay, well, he must be talking about me or us or them. He's talking about someone, but I think it goes much deeper here. And as we've, we've been talking about the greater truth in, in the Bible, I think there's a much greater truth happening here. Now, a good evidence of this is in Hebrews. It says, unlike your, uh, Hebrews 12, 18, you can turn there if you want to. I'm going to read it briefly just to give context to what he's talking about here. Hebrews 12, 18 says, and this is in the Message Bible, it says, unlike our ancestors, you didn't come to Mount Sinai. All that volcanic blaze and earth-shaking rumble to hear God speak. The ear-splitting words and soul soul-shaking message terrified them and they begged him to stop. When they heard the words, if an animal touches the mountain, it is as good as dead. They were afraid to move. Even Moses was terrified. No, that's not your experience at all. You've come to Mount Zion, the city where the living God resides. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of festive angels and Christian citizens. It is the city where God is judged with judgment, with, with, with judgments that make us right and make us just. You've come to Jesus who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He is the mediator of this covenant. The murder of Jesus, unlike Abel's, a homicide that cried out for vengeance, became a proclamation of grace. So he's saying there is the foundations will be shaken and the only thing that's going to be left is this new kingdom, is this new covenant. When he's talking about cutting down the, the base of the, of the tree here, he's talking about the old covenant is going to pass away. And it's going to be, there's not going to be anything left of it. 
there's going to be something new coming that you're going to have to grab onto because there's not going to be anything left of the old covenant. More about the, the, the times when it talks about cutting this. Matthew uh, 7.15. It says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick graves from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He's not just talking about individual people here. He's talking about the whole system. We have a heart issue, and we, there's no way that we can fix it. It goes on in Matthew 12, 33 says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Now, that's a good evidence of what's actually happening. We can't make ourselves good. The law was good, but it had no power to make us just and good. And so though we wanted to do that through the law, it couldn't, it had to be cut down and thrown away because it was not good enough to make us good. It says, make a, good, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its, tr- and its fruit will be bad. For if a tree is recognized by its fruit, for a tree is recognized by its fruit, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Let's stop there. He's going back to the heart issue when he's talking to Pharisees. He told them, you put all these things on people that you can't even carry. He's saying, look, you can't say anything good. You're eating from the wrong tree. I don't want to go all the way back to the the difference of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Do you all remember us talking about that? It doesn't matter if you're eating good fruit off a bad tree. It's still bad fruit. If it looks good, it doesn't mean it's good. There's only only two trees that we can eat off. We either eat off the tree of life or we eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what he's saying to the Pharisees is, you can't be good. You don't have it in you to be good. None of us do. In and of ourselves, we can't be good on our own. So he's saying, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. What is, what is the carnal man, what is the lost man's heart full of? It's deceitful in all of its ways, right? The old man is, is broken, it's busted. But that's not who you are, that's not who we are. We are new creations in Christ, <clears throat> in Christ Jesus. Verse 35, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So he's, he's talking about the heart issue. You cannot produce something that you don't have. We talk about in here, you can't give $100,000 to somebody if you don't possess $100,000. I can have the desire to do it the same way the law had a desire to make us right. But if I don't have it, I can't give it to you. So there was an issue with the, with the old system and the old covenant. So verse 20 talks about the fruit you'll recognize them. So what does, what does a heart full of law produce? Anybody? Death. What does a heart of grace produce? Life. The law wasn't bad. It just didn't have the power to produce life. So it had to pass away so the grace through faith in Jesus would be our tree that we would abide in. We are the results of the fruit. We are the results, the fruit of his resurrected life. Romans 4.13 said it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir to the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath. That's what the law brings. It brings death. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only those who are of the law, but those who have the faith of Abraham. 2 Corinthians 3.2 says, You yourselves 
You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Do you see the contrast here? Let's get back to Matthew 3, 9. I know I kind of went far away. I just want to make sure you understood that, that he's... When he's going through this and addressing this, he's not just talking to the Pharisees. He's going much deeper than that. Matthew 3, 9 says, And and do not think that you say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Now let's get get back into the kind of story of what's going on here. Um, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River, okay? The Pharisees come around and they're questioning things and they've got all these issues. Well, he hits them back with this statement. He says, look... You say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Basically, you are confident in your old covenant. You are confident that you can make a way by your own deeds and by your own performance. But I'm telling you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Now, we're going to back up all the way to Joshua. I know I'm going fast, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to hang out at the end of this if y'all can kind of keep up. Go all the way back to Joshua 3.1. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. And you will, and you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Now there are some key verses here if you'll pay attention to them. Verse 2, after three days, there's a key verse. Verse 3, it says, the Ark of the Covenant. What is the Ark of the Covenant? It's the presence of God on earth, right? In the Old Testament. It's the presence of God. So they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God on earth. It says, uh, when the Levitical priests carry it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Remember these words, because we're going to come back to this. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went, ahead, went on ahead of them. Uh, Joshua 4.1 4, says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed, from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a, as a sign among you. Listen to this. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. The stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Let's jump back to Matthew 3, verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. 
As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighted on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Do you see what's happened here? Do you see the fulfillment of what was going on in Joshua? John the Baptist was Zechariah's son. He's the heir parent of the Levitical priesthood. All of everything that was going on in Joshua was a type and shadow of what was going to happen right here. John the Baptist is bringing Jesus, the, the living Holy Spirit on earth, God's representation on earth, into the Jordan River in the same place and pointing towards these rocks and saying this. Do you see the connection? He's the priest. Jesus is the ark here. Jesus is the living God on earth. So John carried the real ark into Jordan. John is saying, I'm the priest, Jesus is the ark, and we are crossing over into this new covenant. In this covenant, the kingdom is not a piece of land, but it is actual peace and rest in the finished work of Jesus. Crossing over where your sin, sickness, and death have all been dealt with. Listen, the Israelites wanted to go to be in the land of milk and honey and to find peace and, and not you know, for all of their enemies to, to be um, destroyed and so that they, they could be the, the superpower again. But Jesus is actually taking them to a better kingdom and he's making a better way for them. And their real enemies were sin, death, and hell, not Rome. So we go back to repent. After Jesus' baptism, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted. The devil tells Jesus, if you're the son of God, speak to these stones and turn them into bread. Basically saying, you need, to, you need to prove to me that who you are is really who you are. And Jesus doesn't fall for it. What does Jesus say? It's not bread alone that we live by, but it's from the, the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Now, what did God say right before this? Who remembers? We just talked about it. What did God just tell him right before he was tempted? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What gives you the confidence to actually live out your lives is not someone telling you what you're doing right and wrong, but it's building you up in the identity of a son or a daughter of Christ. We have, to, we have to change the way that we think about how we discipline people and how we change people. We all want everyone to live a, a, a quote-unquote good life. But behavior is not, it's not the answer. That's the result. That's the fruit, not the root. People have heart issues, not behavioral issues. We have to repent from trying to get them to do things so that they can be something. We have to see that they are something and they need to, be, they need to know who they are so that they can do things. It's, it's, a, it's a repentance. It's a changing the way you think. Sons know their father's heart. We have to change our, our mindset from being orphans into being sons. Orphans feel like they need to prove something. They feel like they need to be something that they're not. Sons don't need to prove that. Sons and daughters of God don't need to prove who they are. Listen, Jesus' first message is the same one that, that John had. In Matthew 4.12, this is Jesus' first preaching. He says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum which was by the lake in the area, it doesn't matter, it was somewhere, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. 
Verse 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On, the living, on those living and in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Listen, this is the exact same thing that John said in Matthew 3.1. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. We've talked about, especially with the youth, about purpose and what their purpose is in life in light of the gospel and the finished work of Christ. Listen, finding our purpose in life is first understanding what the kingdom of heaven is. And it's not waiting so that you can die to get somewhere else. It's knowing that Christ came, and when he came, he brought his kingdom with him. The same thing that John was preparing a way for, all the way from the prophecies in, in Joshua when they, and the types and shadows that came through the Jordan, he's saying, look, recognize that the living God is coming through and coming into Jordan, and he's being baptized, and the Father sees him, and he is the Son, and he makes us now heirs and co-heirs with Christ. So there's a, there's a heaven, there's a, there's a fullness, and I talk, my mom talked to my office a little bit about it, there is a heaven that we go to be with the love. And she said, well, well, don't we get to go to heaven one day? And we get to, she said, I want to see my mom because our grandmother's passed away. She said, I want to sit down and talk to my mom. Isn't there a heaven when we die? And I was like, yes, there is. But what she said was true. The treasure is that you get to spend time with our grandma B. The treasure is the relationships that we've built in this place that we get that carry on through eternity because rust and moth can't destroy. Listen, there is a, there is a heaven that we will see in its fullness but God came and brought his kingdom of heaven with him on earth. Why would he come if our only goal was to get out of this place? It wouldn't make any sense at all. It's completely illogical. I'm not going to get into eschatology or end times, but I'm telling you nothing's going to eclipse Jesus' first coming. I don't care what, how we believe, what that looks like, but the greatest thing to ever happen to us has already happened. And if we can't stand on the finished work of Jesus, I don't know what else to stand on. And he didn't come alone. He brought his kingdom with him. So I'm telling you, when, when, we, when we speak to people, we've got to understand that we are sons and daughters of God, and we have to understand that they are chosen sons and daughters of God. Even if they don't realize it yet, you speak it into them. Instead of trying to change them on the outside, talk to them and speak to who they are on the inside. Listen, every one of us is drawn to our Creator, whether we'll admit it or not. We all search for it in different ways. Some of us search for it out in the world, then we got into church. Some of us searched for it in the church and didn't even find it in the church, some of us. But we're all desiring a, a restored relationship with the Father, and Jesus is the only way to do that. I read a quote about the, the new generation of leaders coming up. Y'all might have seen it. I posted it on Facebook. I think Brian reposted it too. That people are looking for genuine leaders that realize that they're not perfect or trying to put on a facade, but they're pointing people towards a perfect Jesus. Listen, we need more people like that, not just leaders. We need you guys to do that. You guys need to know that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. You have to know that you carry that power. You're not going to be able to do anything outside those doors. If you're leaning just on your own understanding, listen, learn. I'm not telling you not to be ignorant. Learn. We need to understand what we're doing. But I'm telling you, if you're depending on yourself, you're going to fail fully. Listen, if, if all I had was my own knowledge, especially this week, I wouldn't have made it. I don't think that I could have made it through this past week. And many of us in here probably the same. If it, was just my, if it was just me that I was leaning on, I probably would have made it a few hours <laughs> into this week. Um, but there's a refuge. We just sung about it this morning. There's a rock and there's, there's a strength and there's a shield and it's Christ within us. When we talk about our purpose of who we are, um, I still love, Dawn said, one of the kids in children's church, they said to know Christ and to make him known. Listen, it's a simple gospel. We come in here Sunday after Sunday saying the same thing. 
whether it's me or, or Buddy or Ben, listen, we're all saying the same thing. It's Christ. Christ is the center of it all. And it is a restored relationship with the Father that only He can bring. And that, that's the good news that we give people. That's the truth. Now, we don't all have it together, <laughs> but we know somebody that does and that can bring us to the to It can demonstrate this kingdom to us. Listen, the metanoia, the repentance, if you, want, if you want to change your focus and focus on sin, that's what the law does. The law focuses on the problem and not the solution. The true repentance looks away from, and that's what repentance means, looks away from sin, right? It looks towards something. What are we looking towards? The Holy Spirit. His law is now written on our hearts, not on stone tablets. We don't look back and see all the things we're not supposed to do. We look forward at the things that God has for us. Listen, we look at stadiums packed out for, for football, football players and baseball and all these things, and they're having fun. They're enjoying life. Listen, that's how church should be. This should be good news. We shouldn't just have people come, Christers coming on Christmas and Easter to be beat up, and they can't take it, so they don't come back for six months. We should be proclaiming the good news in every church and every place. Mark used to talk about it all the time. The difference between one church and another church is one is life-giving and one's not. They can be saying the same words out of here, but if you're building up people, you're tearing down people, that's what determines if it's a life-giving church or not. Are we, are we eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or are we eating from the tree of life? I choose life. If you want to focus on the knowledge of good and evil, you want to look back to a law and a covenant that you weren't even invited into, this may not be the church for you. And I hope that you see it for what it is. Christ has much more for you than just rules and regulations. He has life, and he gives it to you. Listen, there's so much freedom. I saw a memory from five years ago of, of a post that I made about one of my daughters. I don't even remember which one it was. I think it was Kylie or Jordan, one of the younger ones, riding dirt bikes, and I remember seeing them. And things that I, there are some things that I taught them, some things that I didn't teach them, and they just naturally started to do them. And there was something in me that clicked about my Father in Heaven that He takes joy in the things that we do even when He doesn't have to tell us to do them. Does this make sense? Listen, when you love someone as though it's very natural for you to love them, even though you don't have the capacity to do that because you're irritated. I just see God smiling and going, that's my boy, that's my girl. That's what I'm talking about. There were people invested in me, many, many surrogate fathers that I've had. One was in, when I first went into sales, and I didn't want to be a slimy salesman. Um, but he, he encouraged me. He was a good Christian man, and he taught me things about sales and how to deal with issues. And I didn't want to, I didn't do things so that he wouldn't be upset with me. I did things because I appreciated what he invested in me. Does this make sense? He was a surrogate father, uh, a father to me in my workplace. But it wasn't just that I didn't want to disappoint him but it was because he invested something in me that I wanted to share with other people. And so a son's heart is just to, just to please the father. It's just a very natural thing. It's not just trying to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. It doesn't please me when my, when my kids just do things when I'm looking at them. It pleases me when I'm not looking at them and they do it. This is us. This is sons and daughters. When you do the right thing when no one's looking, that's, that's who you really are. And that's what you have to deal with your whole want-to issue. Freedom's a scary thing. Freedom's a scary thing to those that either want to control or don't know how to control their own actions. But freedom is a very liberating thing to those who, who understand and know Christ's heart. When you know the Father's heart, freedom's not a scary thing because you know 
You know right from wrong. This is not something we need to talk about all the time. This is simple stuff. My kids are pretty young, and all of them know right from wrong. They know that. I can harp on them about it. I can tell them the reason why we do what we do. This is the same thing that we do in here. We spread life. Stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. Lord, I pray that we, we truly repent, we change our minds to what you've placed in our hearts, which is the finished work, finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, that's the rock that we stand on. We stand on the truth that Jesus was who he said he was, and he died and rose and sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. Lord, that when you, when you were saying that you were cutting things down and, and destroying things, you were destroying an old way that just didn't work, and you were bringing in a new way that did work. Lord, your blood was enough to take our sins away and to give us new life, and you sent your Holy Spirit to write his laws on our hearts so we see the heart behind what we do, so it's not just, oh, don't, don't commit adultery, but look, we don't need to lust because that's not our Father's heart to do that. It's not to betray the ones that we care about. Lord, it's not the Father's heart for us to go out and sin. We don't have to focus on sin. We focus on your heart. So, Lord, I pray that you continue to renew our minds day by day to what you've already done in our hearts. Lord, bring to life your truth in and through us to the people that are around us. They may not see another light. And, Father, I pray for every individual in here that can hear my voice, Lord, that they would know that if they've accepted Christ, Lord, that, their Holy, that your Holy Spirit lives in them and they have power. And they have power that they can carry into a room and change that atmosphere. Lord, they have power that they can speak truth and they can silence the enemy. Lord, that they have the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead in working in and through them. Lord, help us to, 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 to repent, to metanoia, to change our minds to every situation we come into and we see those as kingdom situations, that your kingdom would come and your will be done in those situations. Lord, I pray your kingdom come and your will be done in every situation that we come into. Lord, that we're not bound up by our circumstances or things that are going on around us. Lord, but we change those because of who you are in and through us. And we pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Go hug your moms. And pick up your kids.